Hey, Mark. What? What's going on? Huh? What? Confused. You say so, not hey. I'm sorry. I'm Uh, so thrown. I'm sorry. So, Mark. Yes. It is New Year's Eve. Yes, it is. It is. Because we record live every time. Of course it's New Year's Eve. As we've said before, we have committed to this. We Love the Love is always live. Yeah, no matter when you're listening. It is always happening live as you listen to it. Which is why you should always especially tweet us your thoughts in real time, because we will respond to them in real time. You can, of course, find us at Love the Love Pod on Twitter. Tweet at us your thoughts as we go, and we'll take the time to respond to some of what y'all are saying. Will's probably going to cut this out, but he forgot what our Twitter handle was and had to check. So, it is New Year's Eve, Mark. And I just wanted to give you this opportunity. 2018 ends in a couple of hours. Any last thoughts on the year? I can't believe Paddington 2 came out this year. I know! It has been a long-ass year. That gives this year a lot of bonus points. Yes, but, oh god, this year dragged. This was a weird year. Yeah. Annihilation came out this year, too. That was so good! It was so good. It, it feels like it came out ten things. years ago. We held hands during it because we were so scared. Yeah, that feels ages ago. A lot has changed this year. I have a new job. I'll be going to grad school at some point. Ooh. Has anything changed for you this year, Will? Um, You teach psychology now. Yeah, I teach psychology now. It's fun. And we've seen a lot of things happen this year. Um, Paul Manafort's going to jail. So, okay, actually, guys... I'm going to pull the curtain back a little bit. So I know We Love the Love is always live, but this week it's not because Mark and I are going to be traveling. And so we had to record in advance. So Mark, right now I want to give you the opportunity in the next week and a half, by the end of the year, what has happened? Mortal Engines loses over $150 million. Morty Engies. What a champ. That's one thing that'll happen. Such a sadness. Yeah. We said it last week. It's even less likely to be around this week. But go see Mortal Legends. It kind of rules. If you can, go check it out. Um, I have no idea. The government's about to go on holiday for the next, like, three weeks. That's so true. I don't know if any major stuff will happen. The yeah. end- sentencing reform passed yesterday. That's true. That was cool. My joke answer for a year has always been, oh, by the time we, like, come back to whatever it'll be, John Kelly will have resigned. And this time, that's actually going to be true. Yeah. He's only got a few more days. A few more hours. Is he resigning? Effective at the end of the year. Yes, because we're recording live. So this is live. more hours. I know we keep swinging back and forth on this. This is live. This is a joke we will never fully commit to. Oh, you just wait. We've already failed to fully commit this episode. That's true. Tony Anthony and the folks at Square Apron are not going to be happy about that. No. But, you know, it's a hassle to run to record every time someone picks up their phone and tries to listen. Yeah, but that's our commitment. You know what else is our commitment? What? Investigating. Welcome to We Love the Love, a Hollywood romance podcast. I'm Mark and I'm gay. And I'm Will and I'm a ginger. And this, of course, as Mark said, is an investigative podcast. We are looking at true stories and made-up ones. I'm not sure if the one we're looking at today is true or not. And like my segue. I felt I, I really appreciate it. it. I thought it was nicely done. And of course, what we're investigating is the most important issue, the most hot button topic, the deepest search, the most probing question in our society today. Does Hollywood romance actually make any sense? And are these people actually dateable? Are any of them likable? It this doesn't week? even Yes. <laughs> it doesn't even matter. 
if the romance is a main plot or if it's a one scene flirtation either way we are going to dig in we're going to see what's there we're going to find the answer we're doing it for you we are committed and we will never stop this week of course we are as we've alluded to ringing in the new year with a heartwarming story about incompetence malpractice and corruption and we've brought nick back to talk us through it Hello. Hi, Nick. I refuse to say ho, ho, ho. That's what Will wrote in the script for me, but I'm not doing it. That was from last week when it was actually appropriate, but... Now I just want to see if people will do it. This week, not as much. How long is that going to last? Is it going to be like July and people are going to be like, I'm not going to say ho, ho, ho. As long as someone does, it means I win. Is it going to last as long as our Christmas tree is up, which will be until July? I'm proud of that. Hashtag ho, ho, ho. Is that what happened last year? I think it got taken down in, like, May. No, this went down in January. It felt late. It was in January. I think we forgot about our wreath for a while. Yes, that's true. Wreaths are hard. Yeah, our wreath definitely lasted into at least February. It came down for Claire's birthday party. Oh, that's right. Mm. That will probably, again, be the only impetus we have to take it down. It's great. Yep. Anyway, tweet at our guests to get them to get into the spirit of the season. Hashtag ho ho ho. All year long. No. All right, More but Nick, like, hashtag no, no, no. You can get out. <laughs> get out of here. Get out. Now, Nick, you have not been on the show in a very long time. No. But why don't you no, tell no, no. us... <laughs> so help me God. I will burn this place to the ground. <laughs> hashtag ho, ho, ho. Now, Nick, why don't you tell us a little bit about the movie that you joyfully brought to us this week? Well, this was a movie I saw. I saw it in theaters with my parents when in it came 2006. out in 2006. I was 11 years old. Just to give everyone a frame of reference, I'm a little baby. Um, I loved it then. I really loved Queen Latifah back then, and I still do. Um, I, I really kind of forgot about it until very recently when I remembered that I had it purchased on iTunes as one of the movies. So, yeah, I think I did that as an impulse buy when I was 11. I got, like, my allowance, and I'm like, ooh, Queen Latifah. That seems like a good use of my $9. It's HD, too. That's the most embarrassing part. It's, like, really high quality. But anyway, I thought it was good. Um, Much like Easy A, I figured it's just kind of one of my favorite movies of all time, so might as well bring it in. And it has a New Year's twist angle. Not a twist. It's... It, it is set at New Year's? Yeah, it yeah. takes place around New Year's. What a twist! <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine, like, M. Night Shyamalan sitting in a pitch reading and being like, all right, so we're going to have this movie, right? And it's a romance. But here's the kicker. It's at New Year's. And then Gary Marshall was like, I see you, I'll raise you eight love stories. We're calling it New Year's Eve. A movie that we must cover on this podcast. I feel like we have to cover it nowhere near New Year's Eve, though. It's too on the nose. We should do it in, like, I don't know, October. Great. That'll be our Halloween episode next year. (laughs) Now, of course, this movie is not directed by M. Night Shyamalan, strangely. Or Gary Marshall. Or Gary Marshall. Uh, It's directed by Wayne Wang, who is a Taiwanese-born filmmaker but has lived in the U.S. since he was, like, 17. He made the Joy Luck Club. He made Made in Manhattan. This is towards the end of his, like, commercial career. He's still made some smaller movies, but this is the last really big one that he produced. But what's interesting about it is that it was written in the 80s, but didn't come out until 2006. It was written by Jeffrey Price and Peter Seaman. They wrote Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Wild Wild West, 
They wrote How the Grinch Stole Christmas. They wrote a movie we will cover in the future, Shrek the Third. Oh, God, we have to cover that in the future. That's the worst of them. Yeah, by far. But this movie was originally written to star John Candy, and Carl Reiner was attached to direct it. So John Candy was going to be the one with the... With Lampington's disease. And, like, there's an interview with the Chicago Tribune in 1986 with John Candy talking about that being one of his upcoming projects. But it just never quite congealed, and then John Candy died, and Queen Latifah's agent found the script and pushed for it to be rewritten around her. A good move. (laughs) This is a good movie. I know you will probably fight us on this, but I loved this movie. I don't think it's a bad movie. No, me neither. I was really wondering while I was watching it, because I got your reaction, which was a little lukewarm, and I was like, what is possibly unlikable about this movie? Like, at best, neutral. Yeah, I would say this movie is charming enough. I think it only works because of Queen Latifah. Yeah. Yes. But you say that like it's a downside. All I want in life is now to just watch Queen Latifah be happy. She needs her own cooking show. Yeah, we've decided we're going to pitch this. Yeah. Queen Latifah cooking show. Was that the pitch? That was it. Yep, we did it. I mean, it's as good as M. Night Shyamalan's New Year's pitch. I feel like it's better because you don't need much more of a pitch with a cooking show. And also, she's really in the market for a new, like, television venture. So, Queen, if you're listening, I will follow you around until you do this. So, they're officially on board with hashtag Queen Cook. Yes. Yes. Cooking with the Queen. There we go. Got it. Hashtag cooking with the Queen. Verbal copyright. 2018. Just barely. For a few more hours. Yes. All right. Cooking with the Queen. We're going to make that happen. What's worth noting is that food TV actually does play a role in the story. Georgia is a big fan of Emeril, but also all of the like fancy meals were prepared by Food Network chefs who worked with the project. And as part of the promotional rollout for the movie... All of the recipes were available on the Food Network website. So you could cook like Queen Latifah, like Emerald. That's fun. And like Chef Didier. Chef Didier. Didier. Gerard Depardieu is kind of weird in this movie. He's really a weird guy. It's His role is just incomprehensible in a lot of ways. But so is his speech. Yeah, also that too. <laughs> and the movie makes fun of it. The movie ends with this weird thing that's kind of like in movies that are based on true stories where they'll show people and be like, here's what happened to them after this. But it does it in this movie, which is fiction. So nothing happened to them after this. Legally Blonde does that too. Yeah, and I don't love it there either. I think this one is self-consciously weird. Yes. This one is joking about movies that do this based off of real stories by taking it to the next level. Right, and there's a joke with Gerard Depardieu's character where they're like, he goes on to some prestigious position and no one there could understand him either. So the movie is just making fun of him for being incomprehensible. You don't need to understand his words, though. Like, you get everything you need out of his performance just from the physical acting. Right, it's expressive and incomprehensible. It reminded me of Karloff in Bride of Frankenstein. Very true. You got about the same amount of words out of Depardieu's (laughs) character as you did out of Karloff's. Food. Wine. Cigars. Now... What's unfortunate is that, while Nick, I know you saw this in theaters in January of 2006, the movie itself was not a huge hit. It only made $38 million total on a $45 million budget. So it was, in fact, the opposite of a hit. Now, there are some things that contribute to that. January is famously a dumping ground for movies. People tend not to go a lot. The box office tends to be dominated by holdovers from December. This one wound up opening 
on a long weekend, on Martin Luther King weekend, and it came in second between two other wide releases from that weekend. And number one was Glory Road, the basketball movie, and in number three was the opening weekend of Hoodwinked. Oh, wow. That movie exists. I've never seen it. Is it DreamWorks? Are we covering it? No, Hoodwinked is a different studio, but I'm not sure who it is. I feel like I've only vaguely heard of that movie. Uh, Hoodwinked was distributed by the Weinstein Company. It was made by this little animation studio that only ever made this and the sequel. Oh my god. Are you on the Wikipedia page? For Canbar Entertainment? No, for Hoodwinked. Do you see the budget and box office? Holy cow. Budget of Hoodwinked was under $8 million. The box office was $110 million. It made a lot of money. I did not see it. I may have, but I feel like it's just so forgettable. We should watch it. I don't know if we need to cover it. No. But we should watch it. I mean, I would be willing to watch it. I think it's on Netflix, actually. But still, this movie, even when it came out, was kind of received as like, this movie is fine, but Queen Latifah's really fun in it. Where like, some of its plot contrivances would feel pretty heavy if she weren't just kind of sailing through it all in this like golden glow. The movie looks like it was shot by King Midas. Like everything has this gold tint to it. It's like everywhere the camera turned, it turned to gold. But I think it really complements her skin tone. Oh, it totally does. That's why. Yeah, that's why they picked gold. This movie fills a gap in the market for me, which is just, I want to watch movies where people have a good time for two hours sometimes. I don't need, like, full real conflict. This movie has the threat of death hanging over it. Barely. Barely. And besides that, nothing else really goes wrong. And I was enjoying it, because all I needed was Queen Latifah to be living her best life And I was happy. It's wild to me that uh, maybe we should just start talking about the points. I do want to say, I think this is an early Nicecore film. Okay, potentially. Potentially. Everyone in this movie is corrupt, except for Queen Latifah and LL Cool J. Yeah, so? I don't know that that qualifies as Nicecore. Just because people are nice doesn't make them good. And I think Queen Latifah is good, and she helps other people see that they are bad. I don't know. I think there is, like, some sinister stuff that's being glossed over because this is, like, the wealthy elite retreat yeah so we don't really think about like how horrible these people clearly are oh yeah they're all horrible but you know he learns the error of his ways because of queen latifah what about uh senator dillings and the chairman of the commerce committee yeah i don't feel like that gets a lot of resolution no they really gloss over she gets that one moment where she's like wow you should be working for the people and then it's kind of just ignored the rest of the movie Yeah. yeah And then there's Michael Nuri as Congressman Stewart, who we're told is the chairman of the House Commerce Committee. I do like at one point because they're all convinced that she's like a genius. He's like, you know, George, I'm really interested about the fact that you chose to sell all your bonds. Like, what do you know that we don't? And I'm like, well, I don't know if she knows this, but I know 2007 is next year. So this is a great time to start selling your bonds. (laughs) Yeah, she picked a great time to liquidate her assets. Yeah. Also, they don't really go into the fact that her IRA is now empty. But she did win, what was it? Like 300? There was 3 million... Yeah. So it was like $100,000. Yeah. And I do think that that casino sequence, which we should talk about in more detail, where she wins all this money, is probably something that's just put in there to stop this movie from being a tragedy. Because if they turned around and were like, oh, you're not dying. And she's like, great. Well, I have zero dollars now. How much money do we think she had at the beginning? 
I've always wondered about... It would have to be a lot. Uh, I was wondering just, like, how much money... We're told her room is $4,000 a night. $3,000. I calculated it would be $63,000 if she's there all three weeks. But I don't think she ends up being there for three weeks. But that's also not counting all the other stuff. Right. So that's just baseline. So she would conceivably need for this movie at least $200,000. Except the flights... Because, I mean, how, how many dresses did she end up wearing? Several. Several. Many dresses. But it's the Czech Republic. They're probably, like, cheaper there. But, like, think about all the food, all of the, like, spa stuff, the snowboarding. Yeah, but, I mean, like, a snowboarding lesson, what's that going to run you? Like, like, 100 bucks. At most. I'm just saying, it all adds up very quickly. It does quickly. add up quickly, but I think besides the hotel and plane costs it wouldn't add up as quickly as you might think where it's like, this is millions of dollars. It's probably in the hundreds of thousands still. So like two hundred fifty to $500,000 minimum. Somewhere <laughs> Which in that she range. just had. Yeah. But I also would believe that she was sitting on that because she just seemed like such a person who like goes through life without noticing what she has. But at the same time, it's unbelievable. It's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. But like, you know, she owns her house. She eats lean cuisines exclusively. But she also but makes all the nice a stuff. Lot of other so stuff. she's not saving money with what she's eating. No. Because she's cooking twice, but yeah. only eating half of it. Mm. Which is a good point. She is actually cooking for three people. She like basically supports her neighbors yeah. entirely. I don't think her, that kid would eat at all if she didn't feed him. I don't know. We don't know what their deal is at home. Well, but she cooks for the grand uh, the uncle. Uncle? Grandpa? Grandpa. Grandpa. Darius and his grandpa. Yeah. yeah. Should we talk about the movie? Yes. Let's do that. All right, so Nick, as you know, every week we walk through a movie's romance by breaking it down into the five points that best describe the relationship. So as our guest, you're going to be walking us through the five points of Last Holiday, a movie that is not really a romance because they are separated for most of the movie. Yeah, I had a lot of trouble with this one. All right, well, I'm looking forward to hearing what you've got for us. Okay, well, I tried to break it down into the actual parts of the romance, um and and we can just go through them individually but then there's also just a whole section at number three where we should talk about all the other stuff great okay great so the first point okay all right three okay two Uh, uh, one go so she works at uh essentially like a macy's or like almost Uh, like more like a sears yeah i was gonna say sears but yeah so anyway because it's got the like appliance department yeah. too she's in the cookware department she's a, a saleswoman but she also does demonstrations for the elderly to buy cookware hypothetically but she really just does it out of the goodness of her heart but she walks in one day she likes cooking for an well, audience she, I mean, yes. like her idol emerald hashtag cooking with the queen yes how is cookware the only profitable department in a department store there's no way there's no way that's the case and it's <laughs> profitable by a huge margin just because of her to the point that her company is going to have a bad quarter because she, in one store, quit. No, no. it was already going to have a bad quarter. They just needed to hold on to her because she's running the only profitable department to, like, make up for the loss. Okay, that makes much more sense. Especially, yeah, yeah if, the, if your best salesperson quits, that's not going to look good, especially to the national brand. Right. But this is also, like, clearly a large national institution to the point that, like, there have to be other profitable sections somewhere in this giant corporation like it can't just be queen latifah selling cookware but it's also just a movie but he is also talking about his store specifically her manager so i don't know if queen latifah's cookware section is the only profitable store in every sears across the nation i think we're led to believe that that's the case 
I didn't get that impression. No. All right. But I will take it. Also, the boss manager is the worst person. Oh, he's so fun, though. I've ever encountered in my entire life. That is Matt Ross, who on Silicon Valley plays Gavin Belson, who is the leader of Huli. You're right. And he's playing basically the same yeah, character. 100%. Where he's just wow. obnoxious, super confident, but like a total sycophant. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that performance. I think it's like kind of fun in a terrible way. But it also gives Queen Latifah a shining moment when she breaks his phone, which is the part of the movie that I still laugh at. Even though I know that when I was 11, I also laughed at it in the theaters. I really laughed at the grill line, which we'll get to, because I think yeah. that's point number one. That is point number one. Yeah, let's so transition again. Queen Latifah works at Sears. She works at Sears. I'm really bad at telling plots of movies. She walks in with her friend. I mean, kind of. they have like a weird moment where they kind of meet, but not really. It's like they see each other across the store. Anyway, LL Cool J. I like that she has a sassy white friend. Yeah. It's like really flipping the script yeah, there. I really enjoyed that. And she's not even that sassy, but I love her. There are some lines when they're talking about Sean, and she's like, he can hold my body. Yeah, there's definitely things that would be written for the sassy black friend that would feel like, oh, what a stereotype. But because it's played by a white friend, you're just like, huh, what's happening here? <laughs> I appreciated it. I appreciate it too. Anyway, so Nick, you were talking about Sean. She she sees Sean across the aisle. LL Cool J, famous for his role in Deep Blue Sea. And his role in NCIS Los Angeles. And his role in my heart. <laughs> anyway, they see him and it's obvious that Georgia, I guess we should call it Georgia, has a crush on him, like a long-standing crush. So anyway, she goes down to the, he works in the outdoor, outdoor section, I think. Like he sells grills and outdoor furniture. Yeah. And she goes down and kind of is like. In the most conspicuous wander ever. Yeah, like she walks up to him, like chatting with someone, but she's just kind of like hanging around yeah floating. she's like lurking yeah she's like floating around he's like oh. the dude he's talking to coughs to get his attention like yeah. hey, over yeah. here and then she kind of walks up to him and she kind of is like segueing into maybe like, like hey oh. i just i just wanted to ask you something yeah. and then would you i'm looking to buy a new grill would what? i get my employee discount yeah. if i bought a grill yeah and he's like yes but i still do a grill last week <laughs> and, she says, and i love the idea like if the events of this movie had not happened, well, I guess he was asking her out when she gets knocked out and has to go to the hospital. But, like, how many grills is she willing to buy? Infinite grills. <laughs> to get the to The one she dude? bought last week was for travel. It this was a hibachi. A, it was of a, course it's, it's for travel. It's easy. And she buys a big grill. I really laughed at the line after she asked if her employee discount applies. And he goes, yeah, I answered that question when you bought a grill from me last week. <laughs> so she's like, great, then I'm going to buy a grill. Can't wait. She goes over, she does her cooking demo, and then LL Cool J comes over towards the end and is like, you look so cool when you're cooking, and this place smells like my mom's house, and your perfume smells like my grandmother, just like in Meet Me in St. Louis. Oh. Yeah, that's a thing that's that a thing. the romantic lead that's says to gross. Judy Garland. But it, it works! Really, it's they get married! But it is a turnoff for her in the moment. That's where true. it's like, it's building up romantically, and then he says that, and she's just like, oh. And kind of backs away from him. Well, it kind of works in this one. It does work in this one. That one makes... It's more like a compliment of the cooking. Yeah, your yeah. cooking makes it smell like my mom's house is much less creepy than, you smell like my grandmother. Unless he turned around and was like, and my mom was a terrible cook. We also get, like, a lot of really sensual shots in this movie of LL Cool J's lips. Which yes. is something I've definitely had 
dreams about, um, but which they really make a fantasy come into a reality here. Um, this is the first time where he eats a crudite. But anyway, I guess this is point number two. Okay. All right. Three. Okay. Two. Uh, uh, one. Go. Is there kind of flirting? Okay. I mean, there's not, there's so, so little romance, so much, so little screen time for them. We um, haven't talked about the possibilities book at all. No, that was going to come in when she knew she was going to die. Okay. I'm sorry. I have a plan for this. All right. Well, I, I believe in, you. I, I trust you. I'm prepared. I've seen this movie so many times. I have it like all ready to go. All right. So we're on point two. We're on point two. When, what happens? She like drops something? She opens a cabinet. He starts asking her out. He's like, yeah. hey, I wanted to ask you something. And she's like, oh, did you want to buy a grill? She doesn't say that, but she should. She should have. Um, and she kind of like, she gets panicky, like grabs the counter to brace herself for what's coming. Yeah. And then drops a bunch of like cookware stuff on the ground. Which at first I was like, this is tired. Like what? So now they're going to have to pick it up and they're going to touch hands and they're going to look each other in the eyes and be like, wow. But nope, she stands up and knocks herself out cold on a cabinet. Really solid bend and snap there. (laughs) (laughs) She's fully unconscious, and then LL Cool J carries her to the like a fireman carry hospital they have inside this department store. Also, the best part about this is a bunch of people like watch him fireman carry her and like do nothing about it. They just like watch him walk by. We just have Gavin Belson being like, "Yo, what's wrong with her?" Carry her carefully. Don't let anything happen to her. Because he's just terrified of a workman's comp payout. He says, it's just a bump on the head. And I'm like, she's fully out cold right now. This is not just a bump on the head. I'm imagining him, like, weekend at Bernie'sing her and just, like, propping her up near the cooking department. (laughs) Or, like, making her sit somewhere as a mannequin. (laughs) Which, arguably, would have been better for her in the long term because she would not have gotten this ridiculous misdiagnosis. So, really, this is a movie about why you should never help people. Because if LL Cool J had just left her there, this horrible thing would never have happened to her. That's the lesson of this movie. Never help. I think in the end, she views it as a net positive. Probably doesn't hurt that she won $100,000. I was going to say, if the casino casino. goes the other way, maybe she doesn't. We'll get to the casino point, but she plays roulette and puts money on the same one every time. They're like, it's insane to put money on the same square every time. Statistically, it doesn't change. Right. You still have the same odds, even if you keep it on the same square. But she's also using, like, slumdog millionaire logic, where she's going like, oh, well, my mom's birthday is the 17th, so that's the number that I should choose. I feel like that's everyone playing roulette. There's no better way to choose. there's no real logic. Right, well, the real lesson is don't play roulette. Yes, but she goes to the hospital. Why does this department store have an entire hospital with a MRI machine? It's ludicrous that they can do a CAT scan, which... It's worth noting, Dr. Gupta calls a dog... No, Depardieu calls it a dog scan. Yeah. Someone... No, it's the German... Miss Gunter. Miss Gunter later refers to it as a dog scan, which is a weird mistake to make, especially because cat is an acronym. You know, in German, maybe cat and dog are the same word. We both know that's not true. (laughs) So they have this, like, clinic, which is mildly plausible that there's, like, a doctor or a nurse on staff who could, like, help out with issues. But, as you say, there is a full CAT scan device. It has a sign that says Kragen Clinic, which is the name of the department store, with a receptionist, and inside there are multiple exam rooms. It's wild. More than one doctor and a CAT scan machine. This is, like, the real late capitalist dream, is, like, private healthcare is just in department stores. I mean, that's really cutting out the middleman with your employer getting you health insurance. 
your employer just provides the healthcare. Yeah. But don't worry, it will be shitty. So, Dr. Gupta is one of the worst doctors ever. He not only, when he gets a really alarming result, just runs it again on the same machine and never suggests, like, wow, we should bring in another doctor never. or try it on another device. Never. She, he doesn't even recommend that she go see, a, like, another doctor. Right. He's then, just like, welp, this is the horrible result. And then he tries to run away rather than <laughs> telling her her diagnosis. Yeah, but he's also, like, four foot ten, and she's like... A full six feet. Okay, so. but this is his job. That's Has he never worked with a tall person before? <laughs> there have to be other tall people who work for Kragen. I guess, but he does get picked up by LL Cool J later, so I feel like it's a very real threat to him. Also, I don't think you end up at the Kragen Clinic if you're a good doctor. No. Maybe it pays well. Like, Matthew Kragen's got a lot of money. Yeah, but it doesn't seem like he pays anyone well except himself. That's true. He does put himself on the cover of his own magazine every yeah. month. Do you think it's a baller move? I think it's great. Something we that. all wish we could do. I'm yeah. kind of and only Oprah can pull off. If you uh, could own one magazine, what would it be? Like, acquire an existing yes. property? I don't know the last time I read a magazine. This is very difficult. I mean, I like National Geographic because they have pretty pictures and approachable science, even if it's not always entirely accurate. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, I like to think that I would do something like The Atlantic, which is a magazine that I like a lot. But in real life, I think I would buy, like, people and just write weird puns about celebrities all the time. Did you get A Boy's Life? Is that the name of the magazine for the Boy Scouts? Yeah. I remember vividly that one issue of that, there was a full article about the dangers of porn and masturbation. That sounds right. A Boy's Life. And I was like, oh, man. I don't even know what this is. I am eight years old. Yeah, they've got a wide developmental target. I think that is where I learned what porn is. Well, then the magazine was educational. (laughs) Yes, I did learn a lot from A Boy's Life. Well, there you go. It was tips on kayaking straight into pornography. So, Georgia, Queen Latifah is diagnosed with Lampington's disease, which is a neurological disorder that leads to the rapid development of tumors in the brain. Rarely. Right. Normally, it is harmless. But for her, she has three weeks to live, four if she's lucky, with no actual symptoms of disease. Right. And so we see her that night crying, drinking wine, and looking at her Possibilities album. There you go. We had seen it previously because Darius yeah. looks at it at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, I mean, if, like, what happens? Oh, she puts all the pictures of the food that she makes right. in there. I loved seeing her 2006 camera and her 2006 photo printer. Oh, it was so yeah, awesome. this is like proto Instagram. Queen Latifah will cook along with cooking shows, make all the food, and then take a picture with her handheld digital camera, then print it out on her photo printer and put it in her possibilities album. But it's very much like she is ready to be an Instagram food account. She would be an influencer so fast in the year 2018. Especially if she was wearing any of the dresses from this movie. Yeah. I think the Book of Possibilities is a really beautiful idea. It's really beautiful and a little bit weird. It's Well, of course it is. I mean, kind of everything in her life before the whole, like, disease thing. It's just kind of weird. And, like, a little bit sad. But she's, like, pleasant enough to make it by. So, crucially, the Book of Possibilities is not just recipes. It also has other wishes, like places she'd like to travel, and photos of a wedding and a honeymoon with her face and Sean's face cut out (laughs) and put on the heads of the people in the photos. Including one of them with his white people, and then their faces on it, which is really weird. What I like is that they're 
bad photos of the two yeah, of them. Really so like, awful. Sean has a totally straight, unemotional face in every one of these pictures because <laughs> she took his employee of the month photo. I thought he was going to be so much meaner because of like that's the first thing you see of his face is he's looking straight faced and kind of angry. So when he showed up and he was so nice and happy, I was just like, this is not what I expected based off of the photo she chose for your wedding. He's great. He's great. He does a really good job in this movie. Ah. I love LL Cool J. So do I. Mostly because of this movie now. The only other exposure I have of him is when I watch the backdoor pilot of NCIS LA. (laughs) Now, at this point, she then finds out that she's gonna die, and so she liquidates all of her assets. Yeah, well, she finds out they aren't covering the surgery that would hypothetically fix that. I don't even know if it's gonna fix it. I think it's mostly just to prolong yeah i think maybe get her a little bit more time but her hmo won't cover it right the hmo lady is so rude she's terrible can you imagine being mean to someone when they tell you they have three weeks to live and that they're hoping this surgery could give them some more time although there's probably an alternate version of this movie where the person is like there are no stakes anymore and is like mean and like does whatever they want we kind of get that a little bit on the airplane That's true. And then she's just like, oh, wait, or I could just buy love from everyone. Yeah, when Queen Latifah is flying to the Czech Republic for her resort, she decides to fight back against somebody who wants to recline his seat. And she gives this whole speech to the airline stewardess about, like, your company cares more about making more money than giving us enough space. And what's wild to me is the people around her going like, yeah, she's right, and cheering and stuff. And I'm like, nobody on a plane would be happy that this is happening because everyone else would just be thinking, yes, we know we don't have a lot of space. It's air travel. Please shut up so I can go back to watching Shrek 2 on the in-flight TV screen. I would probably cheer for her. I absolutely would not. I would. I would 100% not engage because that's what I do. Don't engage. But Georgia decides that she is going to quit. And that's the scene where she's there with Gavin Belson, where she smashes the phone. One of the things I liked about it was that his phone goes off and it's an ode to joy tinny ringtone which was built in on every phone at the time uh-huh. remember that remember when people used to use those built-in ringtones and people's phones would actually go off like now everyone's always on vibrate or just gets a ding or something but you would hear that like ode to joy pretty regularly or remember ring back when you would call someone and then instead of hearing ringing coming through you'd be like listening to a song until they picked oh it up oh my god and you could like buy different songs or there were certain built-in ones like remember hello moto when you would just hear that out of people's phones in public hello moto thank god we've moved to a society where most people keep their phone on silent what a wild west it was though for about 10 years so does that take us to point number three it does okay all right three okay two Uh, uh, one go Pretty much. I mean, she oh, goes before in. that, oh. Sean shows up at her house and is like, hey, Georgia, I didn't get a chance to talk to you after you got knocked out. And she hasn't told him that she has Lampington's disease. But he's like, hey, you know, I have these tickets for the Hornets game in a couple of weeks. Well, this is really point three. Oh, this is point three. She quits. Okay. And he catches her outside as she's like walking away from her job. And he like reaches out and he's like, hey. I have these tickets to the Hornets game in a couple of weeks. I would love you to come with me. And she's really upset. She's like practically crying. Like, I want to go with you, but I can't. Because she literally will be dead by then. Yeah. Which isn't really something I understand why she doesn't. This is kind of the, one of the things that I find weird is that she doesn't tell him about it. She doesn't tell anyone. Yeah, she really keeps it to herself. 
I, mean, I think she doesn't want these three weeks to be like sad people being like, oh, Georgia, we love you. You're about to be gone. I think she just decides that it's going to be carpe diem, living life to the fullest, not talking about the fact that she's dying. And she succeeds at doing that. I mean, she basically kind of blows him off. Yes. Yeah. Um, but sadly. Yes. Like, she's not super happy about it. And so then she buys her plane ticket to the Czech Republic and goes off. Yeah, liquidates all her assets. She's in. Now, this is the part where we don't see LL Cool J for, what, 40 minutes? An hour, maybe? Yeah, probably an hour. And many wild things happen. (laughs) She lands in the Czech Republic. She decides she doesn't feel like driving to the hotel. So she, I think, commandeers a helicopter. I assumed it was a service. Yeah, you just rent a helicopter. There was a medical symbol on the side of that helicopter, and she had to point out the hotel to the helicopter pilot, and we're told helicopter landings here are very, 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 very rare. Hmm. So this is not a regular thing. Yeah, it's Eastern Europe, though. You just pay the guy 50 bucks. Here's the thing. I'm not saying the guy wasn't happy with it. I'm saying she commandeered what I think is a medical helicopter. (laughs) We've all done that, haven't we? It's like, ugh, it's going to be three hours to get to the hotel, but there's an ambulance helicopter over there. Let me just go ask if I can get a ride. I think one episode of Cooking with the Queen has to be on board a helicopter. And then finished in midair as she's skydiving. Exactly. Well, you skydive and then you're eating it as you're going down. That sounds horrible. (laughs) But it would be great TV. (laughs) So then there's other stuff going on. She hangs out with Giancarlo Esposito, who plays Senator Dillings. She hangs out with Timothy Hutton, who plays Matthew Cragen, although he looks like a weird, like, uncanny valley young Tom Hanks. Yeah. Also, his secretary slash girlfriend, Alicia Witt, who has had a long and storied career in the made-for-TV Christmas movies we were discussing last week, appearing in such films as Christmas on Honeysuckle Lane, The Mistletoe Inn, The Christmas List... I'm Not Ready for Christmas, Christmas at Cartwright's, A Snow Globe Christmas. She's also in A Medea Christmas. She's got quite a little Christmas career. Wow. But so, George is hanging out with all of these people. It's kind of like a reverse Columbo situation, where the premise of Columbo is that everyone assumes that he's stupid, and so they don't protect themselves from saying things that are incriminating. But in this movie, because she's so wealthy and so unabashed with showing off that wealth, that people just assume she's really important and assume that she's really wise and so they deliberately tell her stuff because they want her wisdom and insight but general is that realistic do you think that would happen maybe they're politicians they try to smooth with a rich person but it is funny how like some of that is also based on like basic misunderstanding where like she makes one throwaway comment when she hears that dillings is there and she's like ah oh, he couldn't make it to our meeting last yeah. week and that becomes like the word around the hotel that she personally knows dillings and he never corrects them well because he doesn't want to seem ignorant of who she is right it's worth noting this movie does take place in an alternate reality where louisiana has elected a black man to the senate yeah i did some research on that there was a guy in 1872 who was elected to the senate but the election was disputed and he was not seated by the senate in part because the democrats controlled congress at the time and didn't want to seat a bunch of african-americans but also because there was a lot of shady stuff going on in louisiana elections at the time and he didn't have the support of a lot of the republican party either because he was in 1872 an anti-grant republican Mm. so basically there was no one who was willing to fight for him to get a seat so a different republican got the seat reconstruction politics are wild yeah yeah. (laughs) 
like a lot of modern historiography is like Reconstruction was actually really, really good for a lot of people. And that's true. But Louisiana's elections were a disaster. I think most elections were a disaster until at least the 20th century. The secret ballot isn't standardized until like the 1890s. Yeah. Early elections were you showed up in the town square and just yelled for whoever you wanted to win. A great system. Election by acclamation is not a great system. (laughs) In fact, it is a terrible system. It is a terrible system. All right. But so George is bopping around. She's having a great time. Spending lots of money. There's the snowboard scene, which is basically like a Looney Tunes Rube Goldberg adventure where she snowboards down a mountain, crashing into stuff and causing chaos, but has a great time and is put on the cover of a ski magazine. (laughs) There's the shopping scene where she goes and buys a whole new wardrobe. How many hours of makeover do we think they shot? Two? Three? Probably. Her just trying on different outfits and throwing the clothes on the floor? Yeah, probably. A lot of them are bad. Yeah. A lot of them are very of the era, and that is to say, bad. Bad. (laughs) Some of them are good. The purple dress, which she doesn't actually wear later, is very pretty. Yeah. This is... Oh, go ahead. There you go. Well, I was going to say, this is also the window where she befriends Gerard Depardieu, who is the celebrity chef Didier, who works at the resort. He mostly likes her because she doesn't ask for substitutions and is willing to eat things like butter. Yeah, she orders the food as it is supposed to be prepared. And she orders all the specials because they won't be there the next day. Right. Which I'm sure he really likes. So he's like, you get it. You understand the art. That's why you are the queen with whom we cook. (laughs) Hashtag. Hashtag, cooking with the queen. queen. So, does this take us to point number four? Well, I mean, there's just a lot of movie in there. Yeah, there's the casino scene where she keeps winning on 17. There's the base jumping. We didn't talk about the fact that she base jumps off a dam. Right, she goes base jumping with Timothy Hutton, although he chickens out and doesn't do it. And apparently wets his pants. Yes. Which I think is great. There's a lot of just, like, hotel employee drama. Yeah, she befriends all the staff. Because she's nice to them. Because she's been a service worker. There's all the spa scenes. Why is this spa so public? There are no treatment rooms at this spa. It's just one big room with half walls. Yeah. I do like that she starts eating the cucumbers. Oh, that was great. I guess there is another romance hypothetically in this movie, which is between Timothy Hutton and Jennifer. And Alicia Witt, yeah. Alicia Witt? Yeah. Alicia. But I... Eh, We barely get that. She's like, they're having sex. Then they don't. Yeah. She goes down on him too much. Right, she's told that she has neck stress because she's been going down on him too much. Yeah, Queen Latifah comes over and yells at her. I think it's nice that she stands up for all the service employees. Even though that one masseuse is awful, who like beats her with sticks. <laughs> with the, the that's, brushes. That's a real thing. Yeah, that is a thing. That is a, really beats her though. Yes, that's I think a big part of it. Ah. I've heard from people that have done that and they say they do not hold back with those branches. Not for me. All right, so point number four. Point number four. Okay. All right. Three, okay. two, uh, uh, one, go! This is when he goes to the... No, what a Gupta. How do we start this? Sean goes to Gupta because he's like, hey, I haven't been able to get in touch yeah, with Georgia. Like, is there something you told her that would have had this weird result? And Gupta's like, yeah, she has Lampington's disease. Well, first he says, doctor, patient, confidentiality. And then Sean threatens to beat him up. Yeah, picks him up. Carries him around a little bit. And he's like, okay, she has Lampington's disease. She's dying. Well, then he goes to her house and right. asks where she is. And Darius identifies her as the possibilities man. Yes. And shows him the book. Which is, I would run. And but... he reacts by being like, oh, she wants to be with me. As opposed to being like, this is really weird. Yeah. But anyway, they also find the hotel that she went to. And so then he... Hotel poop. 
We haven't said that yet. <laughs> and then he goes. He flies. Flies to Carlo Bibari to see and her. He's very scared of flying. And a kid offers him coloring books. And I was really hoping for a shot of him coloring. That would have been great. But so then, at the same time that this is happening, Dr. Gupta finally gets another doctor to look at these results. It's taken him a while. No, what he does is he does a scan of his own brain, and when he notices all of the tumors are in the exact same spot, he realizes, oh, it must be a problem with the machine. Yeah, and so that's when then they're trying to contact Georgia to be like, JK, you don't have Lampington's disease. So he sits outside on the stoop. Darius, whose main job is messenger boy, also tells him where she is. And so they send a fax to the hotel. Yeah. And at that point, this is kind of around moving into our fifth point. Okay. All right. Three, okay. two, uh, uh, one, go! Because point four is mostly them moving in opposite directions. Sean is getting ready to come to the Czech Republic to see Georgia and to tell her how he feels. And Georgia is starting to think, you know what? Like, I'm dying, but I should be with the people that I care about. I need to go back to New Orleans. And so they're moving in opposite directions, but there's a snowstorm. And so she can't get out. It's an avalanche that blocks the road. But he will not be stopped. No. So then he trudges his way through the snow. He walks Probably several miles yeah. up the mountain. He's committed. He's in love. Yeah. But, like, freaking cold. this is dangerous. Yeah. Definitely very dangerous. I like when he arrives and he's got that, like, big hat with the, like, ear coverings. And he's got his satchel and he's all covered in snow. And he looks like a mailman yeah, he when does. he shows up. Yeah. But anyway, by then, George has been back. It's New Year's Eve. So they've had a party and her group of new friends, the elite, have figured out that like she's a fraud that she's not who they think that she is yeah this movie has like a full 30 minutes of talking about the lesson of the movie and like emotional heart-to-hearts because georgia talks about the truth with the german housekeeper she talks about it with gerard depardieu she talks about it at the table on new year's eve with the other rich people and she talks about it on the ledge yeah it's a lot of confronting mortality but it's also like the same conversation several times In a row. But with kind of different lessons in each one. A little bit. It's a pretty slow chunk of the movie. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. It's like a full Um, 25% of the movie. But anyway, then she basically tells the group of people that she's been hanging out with that she has this disease. Well, Cragen, the guy who owns the store chain that she worked at, is one of the dudes who's been hanging out there. And he hasn't liked how much everyone's paying attention to her. And so he's really excited when he figures out her real identity. And he's like, ha, you're not actually rich and important. You're just a clerk from one of my stores. And she's like, well, sure, I never pretended that I wasn't. You all just didn't ask. And then she's like, I'm dying. And you guys are all jerks. Correct. And then leaves. But they continue, with the exception of Cragen, who learns a lesson, the others continue to just be like, well, she's great. Don't judge her for being a poor. But we all still are going to, like, have fun and be classy together, which is part of my point where, like, the rampant corruption of these people goes unaddressed. <laughs> I mean, they do turn against Cragen. Right. It's not. It's not the, that's the best moment of humanity. But isn't it more just reflective of reality? Well, I don't think this movie wants to start introducing reality now. <laughs> All right, so let's take it to point number five, then. Point number five, Timothy Hutton, Cragen, gets really drunk and goes out on a ledge on the top floor of the building. And the valet of George's floor, someone, comes and contacts her and says, like, you need to come up there. I think he was mostly looking for the redhead, whose name is... I don't know her character. She's Alicia Witt. Yeah, so... She plays Miss Burns, according to Wikipedia. He's mainly looking for Miss Burns... 
but Georgia is talking to her at that time. So they both go. And also at this point, she has broken up with Cragen because she's like, you're a bad person and you don't actually care about me. So we're done. Yes. Fair. So then Georgia goes out and she's talking him through it. And she's like, you know what? Like, you can still be a good person. You can be less of an egomaniac and less of a monster. And that's when Sean shows up and she's like confessing to Craig. And she's like, yeah, like, I'm dying. Like, there's a dude that I'm in love with, but like, it's not going to happen now. I'm going, I'm dying already. I can hear him calling my name. And Craig, it's like, no, someone, someone called your name. <laughs> The, like, talking directly to God is an interesting angle as part of this movie. There's a lot of that in that movie. I enjoy it. I'm into it. But then, whatever, Sean comes up and, like... Confesses his love. He also comes out on the ledge. Yeah. At that point, Giancarlo Esposito down on the ground is like, everybody's on the ledge but us. We gotta get up there. I got a little emotional when he confessed his love. I was feeling it. It's a nice little speech. And then they kiss. Gunter shows up, tells her that she's not dying. And they all go back inside. And then we jump forward to she now has her own store and is opening it up and sean is her assistant looking great in a chef's hat and neckerchief it's a shame this movie didn't make more money so we couldn't get a sequel about the two of them running the store oh yeah i'm assuming if we get a cooking with the queen oh cool j is in one of them ll cool j will be her frequent collaborator if not the band leader like late night style where she just has a band on the side Mm. i think that's it yeah queen latifah call us queen latifah call me is also the title of a movie that i'm gonna make (laughs) is that just my life story no, it's about somebody who watches Cooking with the Queen. It's like the Julie and Julia of Cooking with the Queen. <laughs> Queen Latifah, call me. Yeah, it's call with a Q. Get out. <laughs> All right. Um, the last thing I want to talk about is this movie is actually a remake of a 1950 movie starring Alec Guinness, a British black comedy. And in that one, the plot is... Well, it's African-American comedy. <laughs> <laughs> the plot is largely similar, where... Alec Guinness plays George Bird, who is a salesman who is going for a checkup, and he discovers that he has Lampington's disease, which in this one is not, like, a tumorous thing. And his doctor tells him, like, hey, you're going to die, so you might as well take your savings and go have some fun before you die. So he goes off to, like, a fancy resort and is doing that. And while he's there, he, like, falls in love for the first time with one of the people who works there, and is, like, having a wonderful time but is also dying. And then he runs into Dr. Lampington who is at the resort. And Lampington is like, you can't possibly have this disease because there would be physical symptoms. And so Alec Guinness then is overjoyed. He's excited. He's set to start a new life with his new girlfriend and they're leaving the resort and there's a car crash and they die. My God. I don't like that at all. Yeah. It takes an immediate turn at the very end. Wow. I have a quick question. Yeah. Do we think the Czech Republic paid to have it featured? I'm curious. It feels like an interesting choice, also because all of the main people she interacts with there are not Czech. Like, that's the French chef and the German valet. Yeah, I don't know why they landed on that. It's very strange. Yeah, I'm wondering if the tourism board chipped in a few dollars. Conceivably. Uh, Do you find the romance between Georgia and Sean believable? If we, like, think about it, they are two co-workers who have feelings for each other and then date and get married. The one knock so, against it yes. is the Possibilities book. Yeah. So, so the question is... knock it down a few points. I was going to say, the scale. question is, how much does her making the Possibilities book and him seeing it and still going for it, how much does that bring it down? 
Not too much to me, because he clearly likes her already. Right. And so it's kind of a, it's like a red flag, but it's believable that he could contort his mind around it being a nice thing. Yeah. Nick, what do you think? Uh, Where would you rate this on a 10-point scale where zero is totally unbelievable and 10 is 100% you believe it all? My problem with it is I have trouble separating it from the story. Which is totally unbelievable. Right. But the romance itself... The romance is much more believable than the story. I'd I'd give it an 8. Probably give it an 8. Mark, what do you think? I was thinking a 7. Yeah, I think I'm a 7. I'm an 8. The Possibilities book is a lot for me. Yeah, I would be scared off. Like, I would just... No way. I'm done. Also, he quits his job, too. Which felt like a little too much. But also, it seems like everyone's quitting their job. So that probably makes sense. I think Cragen is going under. Yeah. Yeah. Gupta quits. I think leaving that department store is actually probably a sound financial yeah, that's move. that's a really good move. Um, do we think Georgia and Sean are dateable? Yes. Yes. Definitely Sean. Probably Georgia. I would have talked to another doctor before I made any of those moves. Well, I mean, with her experience with the HMO person, I can understand being turned off of the medical field. Fair. I think, especially post-movie, I know she's like a little overboard in the scene where they get married while skydiving, but she's a little uptight at the beginning in that she does not seem to interact with anyone that's not a child. (laughs) Or to allow herself to have any fun. Like, this is a movie about her swinging between polar opposites. Yeah. Yeah. So she does have her outlet in her cooking, and she does seem to take a lot of joy in that at the beginning. I definitely think post-dying Queen Latifah... Georgia is more dateable. She seems fun. Yeah, she seems like a fun girl. But also, are either of them dateable because they're so perfect for each other? (laughs) I'm definitely a yes on Sean. But if you had to pick one person to date, who would it be? Nick and I talked about this and I already forgot who I said. I mean, the correct answer is Sean because look at LL Cool J in a chef's hat. Right. (laughs) Those lips. I don't have another answer that I like better than that. And I know we like to pull weird supporting characters, but like... All the supporting characters in this movie suck. Are trash. I would probably choose, if I had to choose a different character, probably be Gunter. Because I feel like she and I would really complement each other well. Are you also a spy? (laughs) Honestly, yes. At that moment, I was just like, oh, the writers are totally making fun of the concept of these post-movie things. When they turn Gunter into a private (laughs) investigator. Right. Uh, I think that the hotel clerk who cries at a ceiling oh she's great it's pretty great yeah yeah do you guys think georgia and sean stay together i mean yes we're yeah, kind of told 100 they're super into each other yeah i think that does it for our last holiday of 2018 yeah and in the year on a fun little flick <laughs> nick oh. did not like that oh, that was gross <laughs> next week we are going to be cruising on over to dreamworks island to look at a movie that features sasha baron cohen singing in an indian accent while making jokes about nfl teams Ugh. get ready we've already recorded it so i already am annoyed it's madagascar we should never have made this dreamworks commitment but darn it it's, we're sticking to it it's killing us inside until then, you can follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Love the Love Pod, and you can email us questions or movie suggestions at lovethelovepod at gmail.com. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the show to help others find us. Last question. Nick, what is the best piece of dating advice you got from this movie? Eat more butter. Excellent choice. Act like you're dying. I was going to say, make a scrapbook <laughs> with photos of you and the other person badly made, and then leave it lying around so they can find it. And presumably, that'll get them to chase you down. 
or buy an unreasonable amount of outdoor grills, even though you have no backyard. Worst case scenario, you got a grill. There you go. Until next time, I'm Gay. And I'm a ginger. So between the two of us, we know everything there is to know about romance. Bye. Bye.